Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael, and I'm excited to announce that we are next moving to the book of Daniel on Walk in Truth. What an exciting book and what a timely book. I dare you to be a Daniel. Man, this guy was awesome and his friends as well. They conquered compromise in chapter one. Daniel had interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. We have the fiery furnace. We have Nebuchadnezzar being humbled, the writing on the wall, Daniel in the lion's den. We have so many incredible stories coming up, so many incredible lessons. We have the 70 weeks prophecy, spiritual warfare, the second coming, the rapture, the resurrection. This is an exciting book and I'm excited to present it to you on Walk in Truth. Let's get going. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. How many of you have been asking deep questions like, why another school shooting, Lord? Why Texas? Why this uh, science teacher, I think it was in uh, Indiana, has to tackle a junior high student to try to keep him from killing uh, fellow students or teachers? Why? How many before these last two have we had? How many of us are asking the why questions like, where are you, God? What is going on? Could Daniel have asked those questions? You know, as he was taken captive, it's quite possible that Daniel had a, something put into his nose and was pulled into a line of people walking to captivity for 500 miles from Jerusalem to Babylon. 500 miles. You think you got fed along the way? You think you were treated with respect? I think not. And to Babylon they went. And if you're Daniel, you're thinking, man, I grew up in a church-going family. I, I was growing up in the ways of Torah. I was a, a man, a young man who decided I wanted to follow God and serve God. And I'm in some line of slaves headed to Babylon. What? You think he had some legitimate why questions? I think so. And yet you're going to watch Daniel take his stand in a polluted land because I think he understood the sovereignty of God. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, Daniel 1-2. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, another name for Babylon, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. In the final wave in 586 B.C., when they destroyed the temple, they took some of the holy vessels consecrated for the house of God into the temple of their God. Ancient uh, um, armies would battle under the ensigns of their gods. That, that's another way to say under the banners of their gods. And their banners, which were like glorified flags, would typically depict an image of their deity or deities, plural. So they would have a flag and they would, they would be marching out. The people of Israel, what was their ensign? What did they fight behind? The ark of God. Sometimes the worship leaders were the ones leading the armies of God. They fought under the banner of Yahweh. The Lord is my banner. And so they would go out. And when one army defeated another army, they would often take sacred vessels. They would take it as a way to say, our God defeated your God. 
And remember, the Ark of the Covenant we've already studied in uh, 1 Samuel was taken into the house of Dagon, the Philistine god, right? And we know what happened to Dagon. He ended up falling before the Ark and doing a little worship before the Ark, right? It's a pretty funny scene, but all of a sudden, as we uh, are doing kind of an introduction to this book, we see that these vessels, these holy things, so meticulous in how they're made, so important for the everyday working of the temple of the Lord are taken by Nebuchadnezzar and taken into the house of his God. How sad, how tragic. How, how much would you be distraught if you saw things that were holy, things that only a few people maybe even got to see in their lifetime? now treated like they were nothing. Maybe as you're walking to Babylon in a line of captives, the, the guards of the Babylonian army are laughing at you. Maybe you're naked. Maybe they've done everything they can to shame you and your God and say, oh yeah, that's quite a God you got there in Israel. Yeah, we heard stories about how he parted the Red Sea and did things like that, but apparently he's not that hot because here you are. There's a psalm that depicts um, what happened, and I think it's very compelling. I'd like to take you there. It's uh, Psalm 137. So go back to the, the book of Psalms. Psalm 137. Let's take a look at um, this psalm as we consider what the captives may have been feeling like Daniel and his three companions. Psalm 137 says these words. By the rivers of Babylon... There we sat down and wept. Psalm 137, verse 1. When we remembered Zion, upon the willows in the midst of it we hung our harps. For there our captors demanded of us songs. Psalm 137, verse 3. Our tormentors mirth. And they said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. Hey, hey Jewish boy. Sing one of those worship songs you used to sing in the temple with these vessels that we are holding here in our hands. Sing one of those worship songs. Can you imagine if that were you? Can you imagine if they demanded of you to sing your favorite worship song as you're going to a, as a captive to a foreign land? And by extension, the implication is our God's stronger than your God. And why don't you go ahead? Hey, we'll let you sit down for a moment, but while you sit, why don't you sing one of those worship songs to your God? And there by the rivers of Babylon, we wept. We thought of our homeland. We thought of Zion. Maybe a lot of people sitting there hearing some of them sing thought, how many times did Jeremiah warn us? How many times did Ezekiel warn us about what would happen if we as a nation continued to follow the ways of idolatry? And the response, how can we sing the Lord's song, verse 4, in a foreign land? How can we sing? How can I sing now? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget her skill. May my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy, remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it to its very foundation. O daughter of Babylon, you devastated one. How blessed will be the one who repays you with the recompense with which you have repaid us. 
How blessed will be the one who seizes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Ooh, that's a psalm, <laughs> but there it is. And so you can see the tension, the pathos, the emotion. If you can put yourself in Daniel's sandals for a moment, I think you're beginning to see how strong this man really is. And at the time that he makes the march from, Bab from Jerusalem to Babylon, he's probably 15. Can I ask you parents, grandparents, if your child or grandchild was taken from America to a foreign land, could they take similar stands to these four Hebrew youths in the book of Daniel? How well have we grounded them? You know, uh, I just heard a survey that says that one in 10 families that go to church every Sunday do Bible study with their kids during the week. One in 10. And you may be wondering, and maybe this is something that you have thought about and wrestled with, and maybe it's, you've made some adjustments, but we wonder about biblical illiteracy in the church of Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder that we have biblical illiteracy when one in 10 church-going families study the Bible with their kids during the week? Hello? It's not hard to figure out why our kids are biblically illiterate. We don't open the Bible with them. It's a one-to-one -one correspondence, you guys. This is reality. And now we got what we got. And of course, our passion, our desire is to change. It's got to start with us. And so back in Daniel, I am not going to finish chapter one. And all God's people say, oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I can see this coming. He's done two verses. And I know how he is. I'm going to sit down and weep in the pew. Forget about by the rivers of Babylon. Be of good cheer. Pastor Michael can be flexible. We're going to just do a few more verses. But here we go. <laughs> then the king ordered Ashpenaz, verse 3, Daniel 1, the chief of his officials. If you have a New King James, it says the master of his eunuchs. The word official is a word used for eunuch. It's Cyrus in Hebrew. To bring some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles. Now, there's a prophecy in Isaiah that I'd like to show you. And I, I know we're all, all over the board, but uh, I want to show you how this sets up. This is Isaiah 39. Isaiah 39. Let's, let's flip over there. I want you to see this prophecy. The prophecy is given to King Hezekiah about generations to come beyond his time. Everybody remember when uh, Isaiah was written? Just got a guess. Anybody throw it out? 700? I heard somebody say 700. Yeah, you guys said it, right? 700. Daniel was written around where? 530 to 535. Okay, here's a prophecy. Read it with me. This is Isaiah 39, 7. Oh, let's go back to verse 5. Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts, 39, 6. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house, all that your fathers have laid up in store, to this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons who shall issue from you, whom you shall beget, future generations, shall be taken away. 
and they shall become officials in the power. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you a little bit about a college that we have going. It's called the Truth Academy. It meets at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and it's an apologetic school with also an emphasis on theology. Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to be more equipped to share your faith in the public square? Well, this school will help you. And here's Joe Kelly, the director of the Truth Academy, to tell you more. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Boy, has there ever been a time where the need has been greater for God's people to know what they believe and why they believe it? Well, the Truth Academy is here to help the believer contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So I'd encourage our listeners, Pastor Michael, to go online to thetruthacademy.com. Take a look, see what we have to offer. Our classes are available either in person if you live in Southern California, or if you want to take a class online, that's available too. You can learn from the comfort of your own home. Once again, that's thetruthacademy.com. We look forward to having you as a student in the near future. Thanks, Joe. That's exciting news. Thetruthacademy.com to give reasons for faith, reasons for hope in our culture. Man, it's so desperately needed. Check it out today, thetruthacademy.com. Who shall issue from you, whom you shall beget, future generations, shall be taken away, and they shall become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Do you believe in prophecy? Do you believe that prophecy is pretty specific? Do you know that some 150 years before this ever happened in the book of Daniel, more like 170 years, it was prophesied through Isaiah that Hezekiah's family members would be court officials in the land of Babylon. Is the Bible an inspired book? You show me any other book that does that kind of stuff. The Bible is the word of God. And Hezekiah was told, if you turn back to the book of Daniel, that family members were going to be court officials in the land of Babylon. Now, some of you say, well, but wait a minute. God was sending prophets to the land of Israel, warning them, telling them to repent. But God already knew they weren't. And God is sovereign and God is omniscient. And I don't know how all that works, but the warning did come, the prophecies were laid down. Now, did Daniel and his friends become eunuchs? Were they castrated? Why would this occur? Well, because if you were taken a captive into a foreign land, they sometimes would castrate you so you could be around the harem of the king and not touch his women. It's basically how this worked. So there are some that believe that when Daniel and his friends arrived in Babylon, they were immediately castrated. Imagine being 15 years old and going through that. Now, we don't know for sure if that happened because the word over time, Cyrus, came to mean a servant or an official in the king's court. For example, Potiphar was uh, called by this title, yet he was married according to Genesis 37, 36. And we know Potiphar's wife was trying to tempt Joseph. So it is not a clear case that uh, this did happen to them. But if it did, you could understand how uh, even more this would have been so hard to endure. They called um, the leader of the eunuchs to take some of the sons of Israel back in Daniel 1.3, including the royal family. Uh, there are scholars that would tie uh, Daniel and his friends directly to Hezekiah's line 
based upon Isaiah 39, 7, and then I think uh, tying him to, I, I believe it's Zedekiah as well. We want youths in whom was no defect, verse 4, who were good-looking, showing intelligence, intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding, discerning knowledge, who had ability for serving in the king's court, and ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Now what they would do when they grabbed you as a prisoner of war and you were a captive and you had promised to serve in the foreign land as a slave is if you had the goods and they liked what they saw, they would begin to take you through what's called an assimilation process. And the assimilation process included educating you in the ways of their land and their gods. And so they would immediately try to teach you, for example, lessons on the occult. We know that the occult is very much tied to Babylon. In fact, remember, Bible students, that Babylon, from Genesis 10 with uh, Babel, um, and you have um, uh, Nimrod going all the way to Revelation 17 and 18, what is the thread throughout your Bible? It's a Babylonian system based upon the occult and based upon an anti-God, especially the God of the Bible, an anti-God approach. In fact, Revelation 17 and 18 depicts Babylon, perhaps not a literal Babylon, but a metaphorical one, in terms of a world system in rebellion to the God of the Bible. And this thread runs all the way through from Genesis to Revelation, but it also runs through the book of Daniel. What they would do is they would take you and look at verse 4, and they would teach you the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So now you'd have to learn their language. Now you'd have to learn their literature. You'd read all their famous books. Uh, there are, there's archaeological discoveries, <clears throat> which would indicate that one of the early lessons you would get is in the occult, in witchcraft, in all those things tied to their forms of worship. And so they would try to indoctrinate you. Something that is going on today in our schools. Uh, most professors in universities are atheists. What, are they, what do you think they want to accomplish with your college student? I mean, I mean, some of our college students have come up to me and said, I'm going through this in a class I have right now. My teacher has marginalized me, shamed me, pointed me out in the class, and made me look like a buffoon because I'm a Christian. Well, there's a similar indoctrination going on in our universities. Can I say to you, parents, I'm not sure it's the wisest move to send your child to a secular university. I'd be really careful. It may be right for them, especially if they have a good foundation, especially if they're surrounded by Christians, but I would say just pray through that really hard because I don't even know what it gets them anymore, frankly. Anyway, I could spend another couple hours on that one, but I'm not going to go there right now. And so they would train them in the lit literature and language of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. The king appointed for them a daily ration of the king's choice food from the wine which he drank and appointed that they should be educated for three years, so almost like a university education in length, and at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. So for three years, you come over and immediately you get assimilated. 
You get indoctrinated with the religion, with the literature, with the ways, with the food, with everything. And of course, if you're a Jew, you've got some issues because the food ain't kosher, right? So now you're dealing with some issues there. Now, among them, from the sons of Judah, we're introduced to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, how many of you would all confess that you know the Babylonian names of those three better than you know their Hebrew names? Anybody? Because we all know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I have some friends who say, call them by their Hebrew names. And I'm like, uh, Azariah. Uh. Anyway, so let's learn the Hebrew names. They are, we all know Daniel. But then there's Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, the commander of the officials, part of the assimilation process, and here's where we'll conclude tonight, gave them new names. To Daniel, they assigned Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, they called him Shadrach. Now, an easy way to remember the last two is the starting letter. Mishael became Meshach, and Azariah was named Abednego. So, according to Josephus, I mentioned earlier, all four of these teens were members of Zedekiah's royal family. And so you have the name shifting. Why would you change somebody's name? Again, it's part of the assimilation process. Daniel means what? God is my judge. They changed his name to Belteshazzar, which means Bel, protect the king or protect his life. Bel is the, one of their false gods. Hananiah's name means the Lord, Yahweh, is gracious. They changed his name to Shadrach, which means command of Aku, one of their false gods, or Aku is the moon god. Uh, Mishael means who is like the Lord. He was given the name Meshach, which means who is like Aku, one of the false gods of Babylon. And finally, Azariah means the Lord, or Yahweh, is my helper, and his name was changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nego or Nebo, the god of vegetation in Babylon. And so as these young men arrive, just imagine how many blows they've taken. Poof, 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 poof. Now you got a new name. You're going through this school of reindoctrination, assimilation, brainwashing, the, the food that's put before you, everything is just one gut punch after another. Perhaps your parents are dead. You've lost a lot of friends. And here you are in a foreign land. Doesn't it amaze you that these guys do what they do? Does it amaze you that they take the stands that they take? Does it amaze you how young they were? Sometimes we dismiss young people. And we can be wrong to do that. We think, ah, you don't know anything. We're for snapper. When you've been around and have a limp like me, we can talk about some things. <laughs> right? Maybe we need to rethink that. Because some of the younger people who are around us can instill some fresh vigor into us. Amen? And maybe they have some good ideas. If we don't talk over them, we might hear some good things that could be applied to the church because we had new ideas when we were their age too. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it's true. 
And sometimes you have to show them a picture when you were young. I was young once too. Look at this. And they're like, no, that's not you. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> I know it's a vague resemblance. But anyway. How do you stand strong in our Babylon? You have to make up your mind. You have to determine to be a Daniel. You can float downstream like the rest of the dead fish in our world, or you can decide to swim upstream, swim against the tide, and dare to be different. Determine to be a Daniel. Will you? What keeps you from it? Peer pressure? What your friends might think? Do you, do you guys remember, some of you are just out of high school, but do you remember how much we cared about what our friends in high school thought? <gasps> oh, now I don't even talk to anybody who I went to high school with. Things we put so much, you know, stake in. Doesn't matter. A hill of beans. <laughs> Hey, listening family, it's Pastor Michael. I want to tell you another exciting thing about walkintruth.com. It's the store that's there. There's some great products up there on some intriguing subjects available in CD and DVD format. When you purchase one of those products, you actually support the radio ministry and help us reach out to more people like you. It's walkintruth.com. Click on the store, check it out, get a product, and you'll be partnering with us in the gospel ministry. We appreciate you. We love you. God bless you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.